Welcome to the Catholic Journey. Can you believe it is Christmas Eve? Oh my goodness, what a year this has been. I know we're not getting uh, close to celebrating the end of the year. That'll be in a few days from now where we'll be talking about kind of recapping uh, 2020 and what our thoughts about uh, for the new secular new year that will be starting. But for now, anyway, it is Christmas Eve and... Um, I have a couple hours that I'm kind of killing a little bit of time before Liz and I, actually, I'm looking at my watch. I don't have that much time. We have mass today on Christmas Eve at four o'clock. Um, our churches are shut down, but we can have outside masses and I'm looking outside and um, it's a it's a beautiful kind of powdery blue sky and um, it is a little bit chilly. I'm not sure what the temperature is, probably in the 50s and um, slight little breeze. And so it should be a perfect... Uh, uh, you know, climate, weather uh, for our afternoon mass at four o'clock. So I'm really looking uh, forward to this vigil mass. And then we'll have mass again tomorrow, although I'm a little cautious because I think the weather report said, um, although I haven't checked it recently, um, but it did say chance of rain. Let me look at it really fast right now while I'm got your attention. And um, so I'm pulling it up on my phone and let's see what the forecast is for tomorrow. Actually, it's gone. Um, it's not predicted to rain. Looks like it's going to be... Um, oh, actually, I'm looking at the wrong day. I was thinking it was Sunday tomorrow. Friday, it does have a chance of rain. Um, I'm not even going to look and see what the chance is. I'm just going to be hopeful that uh, the weather will be good and uh, we'll be able to uh, have Mass uh, Christmas morning at 9 o'clock. It'll be an outside Mass as well. Well, I wanted to share a Christmas message with you, and um, uh, some of you that know me uh, know that I, I've been a Catholic deacon for a number of years now, and I and I save um, different homilies over the years, and I have a I have a website that you can go to, and the easiest way to get there really is is if you go to uh, my blog, it's deaconpat.net. Um, I'm going to emphasize the net, like the fisherman's net. Um, because if you go to Deacon Pat something else, who knows where you will you'll uh, end up. But if it's Deacon, so it's um, D E A C O N Deacon Deacon Pat dot net, and you'll see a link there that says uh, Deacon Pat's homilies. And if you click on that, it'll take you to my homily site. And um, I just have just numerous homilies over all these years that I've I've saved. And uh, I thought I'd pick one up. I, you gosh, I have a great memory um, of qu quite a few years ago. Um, it was a little bit before Christmas, and uh, we had some things going on in our parish, and um, that uh, kind of stirred things up a little bit. And um, the pastor, uh, without much notice, <laughs> asked if I could uh, preach at Christmas Mass. Um, so, <clears throat> of course, I said yes, because um, if, the, if the pastor's asking, it's for a reason. Um, he's no telling how much he's got on his plate. And um, so I... I uh, remember putting this one together and so I want to share it with you and um, I'm not sure so sure uh, how well it went over that night oh I'm looking at the date here it says it was on uh, December 24th 2009 so gosh that was quite some time ago and it was titled a not so holy night and the message of hope Christmas and um, let me um, share it with you. It might not be the same cycle as um, we're on right now, 
um, I can't remember, um, 2009, let me see, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. No, it's a different cycle. Um, I think you, many of you know that the Catholic Church is, um, their readings at Mass are in a three-year cycle. Um, one year being Matthew, another Mark, uh, and uh, another one Luke, and then John is used on a lot of the uh, Holy Days, and uh, especially uh, during uh, Lent and in different times. But anyway, I want to share this message with you, and it'll give you something to think about. I think many of you, um, depending on <clears throat> your affiliation of what um, Christian religion you are, um, I don't know if you're going to have Mass or not, so here's at least an opportunity to really think about the real reason uh, for this season, and it's really um, all about, uh, you know, an, an infant being born, an infant that was divine and human. Well, anyway, let me jump right in for this message, and uh, and I'll touch base with you right afterwards. What a special and holy night this is tonight. But to understand just how special this night really is, we should back up to a night that was not quite so holy. It was a sad night, a pitiful night, a night of gloom and despair, a night of regret and remorse, of shame and disappointment. The first night that Adam and Eve slept outside the doors of that heavenly paradise called Eden. Oh, unholy night, when the stars refused to shine, it was the night of our first parents' death. It was a sad night for the whole world, indeed, for every descendant of that cursed and unholy couple. For God had pronounced a verdict on all humanity because of them, and that verdict was guilty. They had fallen, they had failed the test of test. Would they listen to the voice of their Creator, or would they listen to the voice of the serpent? Would they be faithful and obey the command of God? Or would they be unfaithful and take what was not given for the taking? God said, You shall surely die. And the devil said, Did God really say? A little leaven leavens the whole loaf. A little lie was all it took. A little misinformation. A little twisting and turning of the sacred word and down into the grave they went. Did they not know that with every bite of that forbidden fruit, they were sticking daggers into the heart of the human race? And now, expelled from the garden, removed from the gracious presence of their Creator, Adam and Eve would have to suffer the consequences of their disobedience. No longer painless, childbearing would forever remind Eve of her sin. No longer effortless, work would forever remind Adam of his failure to resist the devil. Life without God, that is what they chose for themselves and for their descendants. By that one act of disobedience, the many were made sinners. By that one act of rebellion against their father, Adam and Eve wrecked more havoc than any terrorist attack, any hurricane, or any nuclear weapon could ever unleash. In shame and regret they hid themselves, unable to walk before God with a clear conscience. They huddled in fear for their lives. That is what sin does. That is what sin brings. Fear, despair, gloom, and regret. 
every act of premarital sex, every drunken stupor, every glance at improper images on the computer screen ends at some point, on some level, with shame and guilt. With every lie told, with every act of rebellion, with every word of disrespect toward parents and authority comes that old familiar friend, guilt. You know it, and I know it. That is the great lie, you see, the grand illusion, that sin actually delivers what it promises, that it actually makes one happy, that it really does give one pleasure. Satan uses this to his advantage. He uses the weakness of our flesh to make us believe with all of our heart that what we are doing will make life better, that it will result in happiness, that in the end, if we could just give it a chance, it will all work out for the best, and then he leaves us to wallow in our despair and misery when it fails, when we get caught. He does what he did to Adam and Eve so long ago. He laughs, he jeers, he mocks us in our pitiful state. He hates you. It was a sad night, to be sure, when Adam and Eve gave birth to sin. But it was not without a hint of joy, not without a silver lining. For God had pronounced another word to them, a word of comfort, a word of reconciliation. He will crush your head, and you will bruise his hill, said the Lord to the crafty serpent. One of Eve's offspring will undo the damage that the devil had done through Adam and Eve. The world had a glimmer of hope. That promise was passed on from generation to generation. Generation after generation hoped in the Lord and longed for the day when Adam's fallen children would return to the paradise of Eden. That promise was not fulfilled in the generations of Abraham, or Isaac, or Jacob, or Moses. It was not fulfilled in Isaiah, or Jeremiah, or any of the prophets. The prophets all spoke of a time when this promise would be fulfilled, when God would send help from above, and rescue fallen humanity from the curse of sin and death. Isaiah spoke of a son born to a virgin whose name would be Emmanuel. Jeremiah spoke of a new covenant that God would make with his people, one in which he would no longer remember the sins of men. All of the prophets looked for that day when Eve's son would finally come forth. For many centuries God's people waited, until finally, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. There in the arms of the Virgin Mary lay the fulfillment of God's promises to Adam and Eve, to Moses and David, and to all his people. He shall crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. It was a happy night, a night full of joy and holiness and full of peace that night when the son of Mary was born in a Bethlehem stable, for it was the night that the doors to Eden swung wide open once again to let in Adam's fallen children. It was the night that God gave to the world a full and holy cure of sin and death in the person of his son. 
Eve's promised son had come to undo the damage that the serpent had done through Adam and Eve. A happy night indeed, and one worthy of remembering year after year as we do in the church. It is that holy night that gives us reason to be joyful and full of peace on this night. It is that night that gives us a reason to sing God's praises, to give thanks to him who is Emmanuel, God with us. It gives us reason to defy the devil, who always wants to rob us of the joy that Christ would give to us. Tonight, we remember the holiness of nights. It was tonight, two thousand years ago, that God had become a child. He had become one with us to show us the way, to lead us, and to bring us to everlasting life. Boy, starts off pretty glim, doesn't it? <laughs> and then as it as it uh, comes close to the conclusion of that message, you can see it turning, turning to a message of, of hope. It also gives us a clear picture and understanding of why Jesus came to us, to save us from really the sinfulness of our parents that had just really seeped into our lives as well. Well, tonight, let's focus on all the blessings that God has given us in our life, leading first with Him coming down from heaven, coming into our world, redeeming us from that sinful nature, from our original parents, and then also teaching us and showing us the way. And as he left this earthly world, he sent his Spirit down, the Holy Spirit, to be with us always, to inspire us, to guide us, and to also heal us. Let's be thankful today. Let's be thankful for all that God has done for us. Let's be thankful for who God has put in our lives. Let's be thankful for how he forgives us and allows us to start anew. It's one of the most beautiful things about being a Christian, is many of us are really uh, damaged, fallen people. But we can turn around and we can always return back to Christ. God bless you, and have the merriest of nights, the holiness of nights. God bless you, and may God forever keep you. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm.